Hello and welcome to Punk Goes Pod, the only weekly podcast that chronicles every song in the Punk Goes series from Fearless Records. My name is Richard S. He. Damn it, you ruined my joke. I was going to say, Emma, your voice is deepened. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the host of this podcast. You've been on enough that you, you probably could be, though. Hmm. Yeah. So all of this is to say welcome back to our favourite guest of the pod, Richard. Hey. Uh, Sam and I have been lazy, so we're outsourcing all of the intro duties to Richard this week. <laughs> but It's kind of a tough episode as well, so we thought we needed another set of hands. Yeah, this one's going to be a doozy. So this week we are looking at Looks That Kill by Motley Crue as covered by Diesel Boy, which appeared on Punk Goes... Metal. Thank you. I was about to say Classic Mm. Rock, so there you go. Their first album, the first Fearless compilation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In 2000. Yeah. 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 I always forget that metal was... I don't know why. I always just read Punk Goes Pop as being the first one, even though it absolutely wasn't. I mean, it's their their most popular... Um, yes. Yeah. Before we start anything, I just want to issue a correction on last week's episode. Um, I, the last few years, I've just sort of entered a weird, like, parallel universe where I thought that Green Day did include their cover of We Are The Champions on Bullet in a Bible, which is incorrect. Um, they did perform it at Milton Keynes, but... Possibly due to licensing, possibly due to timing, it wasn't actually included on the released product. I also had a crisis of identity where I was trying my hardest to find a version, which we ended up cutting this out. But fun fact, I swear to God, there was a version where during the second verse, Billy Joe sings, you brought me fame and fortune and everything that goes with it, and I'm Rick James, bitch. Ha <laughs> I fucking, I swear, this actually, like, it happened. I swear it happened. I texted my friend Ella. We grew up loving Green Day together. She also believes that it happened. Mm. Someone on the internet believes it happened. But every fucking video that I pulled up on YouTube to say to Sam, I swear it was in there. In that part, it would just be Billy Joe being like, thank you, insert city here. You became a detective in every 90s detective movie. You had the board. You had the paper clippings. You were scouring, how, trying to How find many times it. did they perform it? They performed it a lot. Okay, so that's the problem, right? I, yeah. Yeah. But I obviously had some random I, recording yeah. on a mix CD somewhere. I got it implanted in my head that like, yep, that is the canon one that, right. I, that I'm going to find everywhere. But because they performed it so much, it, yeah, it did like, especially on the American Idiot Tour, like it was one of those things where that was... Where they would bring in that, like, thank you for coming out tonight kind of, mm. like, Or we're at, we're at this festival. You know how we were talking about last week, band uh, when bands are like, yeah, we love it here to try and get sort of like a, yeah. a cheap pop from the crowd. Yeah. When when he says, like, and we're at Reading Festival, like, who gives a flying fuck? It's just like, I know you are, because I'm also here. You are, but like, what if, what if it's people that are like, well, I'm not from this area you know yeah. what, does it, what does it matter if you're a reading festival i'm here i bought my ticket you didn't you got paid to be here i do remember that being a real badge of honor thing when i was growing up it's like yeah i traveled all the way from the country to come and see you guys in right Berlin. yeah, yeah so it's just you, like who gives a shit like you decided to do that like if it was a band that you really liked you put in the effort to go see them i did mm. there was i promise we'll get back on topic there was one time where we're avoiding this topic <laughs> yeah ah. it's gonna be real shit guys um there was one time where my friend Ella, who I just mentioned, and I were 
gearing up to go see My Chemical Romance in the city. We finished school early that afternoon. We hopped on the 2pm bus from Cobram through to Mel Shepparton, which would then transfer onto a train. It was going to be a hell of a trip. We'd get in at like 6.30, whatever. Halfway from Cobram to like near my hometown... I realised I didn't have the tickets with me. <laughs> so then it was like this very panicked phone call to my dad being like, they're in my jewellery box, can you please get the ticket to come meet me at the next station in heaven? And so like, luckily dad pulled Aww. through and did it, but it was just, yeah. And since then I've just consistently been bad at remembering tickets, so I'm just cursed. Wow. <laughs> so. I mean, the, 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 the worst of it being uh, Auckland. No, uh, not Auckland. Wellington. Wellington when... Somehow in my brain, and this like this is what I mean. I'm just, I have brain problems. Um, yeah, we ended up getting to Wellington Airport to fly out a full 24 hours after our flight was supposed to leave. And they were like, oh, wow. "This ticket was for yesterday." <laughs> and I was just like, "So what can we do?" They were just like, "I don't know." <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you, you can't go back in time. So, so uh, yeah, oh, all this to say that I'm very stupid. But before we get into other stuff, I'm just gonna. One. I do have a note here. Huh? I do have a note here. Yeah. Ooh. So, um, I believe last episode you mentioned something about, like, floating the idea of doing a package tour of, like, oh, Hampton yeah. the Hamster and <laughs> oh. all the novelty acts and stuff, Crazy Frog. Don't tell me they've already done one. No, no, not exactly. Well, Sam, you mentioned Cotton Eye Joe, right? Yeah. By a certain band called Rednecks. Yeah. And, um... That's a oh, franchise Emma, effort. Yeah, everyone knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, um... They they are now a franchise. You can buy the rights to the name Rednecks online. Yeah, really for like whatever it is, like ten grand or something. Oh, that's oh, not it's, yeah, it yeah. Because that was on. Um, was it Switched on Pop? Yeah, they, yeah. They did it was. an episode of it, and yeah, it's this bonkers thing where yeah, you can essentially just have a franchise and tour it yourself. Mm. <laughs> Which... That's that's crazy to think because it's, it's like when someone buys a McDonald's franchise, buys into you know having a McDonald's yeah. that they that they manage. Yeah. Yeah. Bless you, Richard. Bless you. Um, you get what I mean, though. Yeah. 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 But but it's a song. All well, like they did have other songs, but you're essentially buying the rights to perform Cotton Eye Joe on a loop for two hours, I reckon. Yeah, pretty much. Um, all this to say that we are starting a Kickstarter to raise ten grand to buy the Rednecks licensing, and we're going to do a Australian tour. Punk goes rednecks. We <laughs> that would be so good. Yeah. Actually, can someone a punk band? I don't know who listens to this. If you have a punk band and you can cover Cotton Eye Joe for us, please do. We're talking to. We've got on the one person who listens to this. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so one of a few. Well, yeah. Like Richard's least. here. Mark is listening in Carlton. Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll bleep that out. Um. Yeah. Mark is, and that's it. I'm sorry, I was going to say before, I'm just going to pre-warn. I called my brother before to ask him something specifically about this podcast. He may call back, and if he does, I'm just going to answer the call. Put him on speaker and say, hey, you're on the podcast. So you should. Yeah. Yeah. It's essentially just a call-in radio station thing at this point. Yeah, Yeah. cool. All right. Anything else we want to discuss off the top of this episode? How's everything going with Al? Pretty good. Um, We are... Shooting our second music video in a week and a half. Good finishing stuff. the writing of our third single soon. That's so, cool. so we will see. Yeah. Update soon. Amazing. Excellent. Al is here to save twenty twenty because it is off to a pretty <laughs> shit house start so far. Oh and we're not helping with this episode. <laughs> but 
So anyway, is it Motley Crew or Motley Crew You? when bands put in unnecessary um, umlauts and this just reminds me of shout out to Daisy a friend of ours who um, was riffing the other day on how to pronounce Moet the mm. champagne and she was like it feels like it should be Moyo with all the wow. <laughs> Moyo. so like every time I see a bottle of Moet now I'm just like ah delicious Moyo but yeah um, Moyo <laughs> so yeah Moet Motley Crew. Motley Crew. They got the name, or they, no, not the name, but they ins- were inspired by the umlauts because of the beer Lowenbrau, the German beer Lowenbrau, which I believe has, yeah, an umlaut over the O and possibly the U. Yeah. Really? The O yeah, right. and Brau U. Yeah. U. I don't know. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very metal thing to have. It really is to have umlauts, but Motley Crew is unnecessarily putting mm. umlauts on their name. Well, then again, Motorhead like yeah, have on the O right? The yeah, but o. that 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 works because it's mo mo to head. Okay, is Queensrÿch that... with the Y. Yeah, see, that doesn't make sense. Queen mm. Queens r- right? Yeah, I don't know. A lot of their career doesn't make sense. <laughs> I mean, good band at one point, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What, like... So, Motley Crue got their umlauts because of a beer brand. Yeah, they were influenced by it. Why, like... Does anyone know the general, like, aesthetic of having umlauts over letters in metal? Like, is it just Motorhead, definitely the first. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why? Is it... Because Germany is a pretty big home for metal, isn't it? Though none of those bands are German. No, no. that's yeah. what I mean. Like, yeah, once, is it a once throwback e- to once, like... Once Welsh, one's American. Queensryche, where are they from? Uh, I think New York. New York. Huh. I don't know. Like, if it there was... Yeah, yeah, like, if it's like a throwback to like a cultural aesthetic thing of like... I don't know, but like, I think after the 80s it just became an in-joke. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, just like, no, I was going to say, does Steel Panther have them on there? Mm. But no, they don't. Steel Panther. Steel Panthers are like they're a heavy, hair metal yeah. inspired. I think they started off as a parody band, and people were like actually we kind of like it. They started as a cover band. They started oh, as a cover band. A parody band. Yeah. yeah, we could have talked about them more today, but we're not going to. We are no. not. No, no. no. I, I would not. I would never acknowledge their existence. <laughs> no, no. I do find. I don't know. They're, yeah, I'm sure we'll get into it a bit later on, but they're just sort of emblematic of what I don't like about this kind of yeah. movement. It's like when you're kind of. Faux ironic, but yeah. there's really nothing ironic about it. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. Um, so yeah, I've got a few uh, bands with umlauts. The Accused, Asuk oh, or yeah. Asuk. 
mm. grindcore band. Oh, Blue, I know Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah, had really. had one. <laughs> Destroyer six six six. Australian. Australia. Uh, yeah, Australian. Oh, sick. Green Jelly had an umlaut. Death Clock. That's pretty funny. Huskadoo. Yeah. Huskadoo. That early too. Yeah. So yeah, Motley Crue, Motorhead. Yeah, Queensrÿche. Spinal Tap has one on the end. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish they had one of those curly ones to make it spin yarl tap. Spin yarl tap. Lemon There's um, an erre. There's a parody like drone metal band called Nano Cyborg Uber Holocaust where every single letter is like <laughs> umlauted or like combined or something. And all they do is like they put up like 24 hour long albums oh. on like download up in like parts. I and love they're all that. they're all like super slowed down versions of pop song, slowed down like ten thousand percent or something. So essentially, like chipmunks on sixteen speed, yeah. but like they're not on... recognizable at all. Oh, yeah. that It'd is be like wonderful. the heat death of the universe or something. Part one of two hundred. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Have you heard Neckbeard Death Camp? No, they're they're I mean they're another parody band, but they're a shockingly good black mm. metal band that as well. Very oh no, I have heard of them, yeah. And but they're also very They're the leftist ones, right? Yeah, they're, yeah. they're the, I suppose on the American sense they're very liberal and they're very so like the anti fascist. No, anti fascist. Oh, good, good, so good, yeah. you know how liberals in Australia are bad. <laughs> yes, yes, in, yes, yes. Well I don't sorry. say I don't mean bad, but liberals in Australia They are bad. Let's just fucking mm. be uh, the, real conser- about it. The, the conservatives. Yes. And the American liberal is, you know, where we more lean yes. towards yes. in regards to politics. Mm. Gotcha. But yeah, they're very leftist um parodying black metal band and they're surprisingly good. Mm. But um you know who's not good? Motley Crue. Motley Crue. <laughs> Who were formed in 1981. From Los Angeles, according to your own notes. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise that it... I'm, yeah, it either auto-corrected or I'm just a dumbass. No, it would have auto-corrected. I'm fine with probably saying I'm a dumbass. That's fine. No. By original members Nikki Six and Tommy Lee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are the only members I know, pretty much. Well, you know Vince Neil now after watching I, some yeah. of the stuff. <laughs> um, Mick Mars on guitar would join soon after, as would Vince Neil. Mm-hmm. So there's that. They rose to promise in the LA club scene, and it seemed as though the band was dead and the world was going to start living happily. <laughs> but with the popularity, I, I assume it was the popularity of The Dirt, the Netflix bio. Yeah, I mean, these days, all these legacy acts, like, they will hire people just to, like, essentially promote and keep their song catalogue alive. Yeah. Yeah. And so the newest thing is, like, getting your own biopic. Yeah. You know? Christ. And, I mean, this was at a time where, I mean, we spoke about it. This was the same year that we had Rocketman and Bohemian Rhapsody do, oh, yeah. well, yeah. in, do well in theatres. This did well on Netflix. Yeah, it so, would have. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how it would have done in theaters. Like, I didn't. Yeah. Watch, I didn't watch it because I was not interested to watch it. No. Yeah. 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 We're really down on this band. <laughs> <laughs> really... I will say like one or two positive things. We are really Good. down do. down on this band. But anyway, due to the the popularity of the dirt, mm-hmm. um, they got back together after saying that they were never going to get back together. Yeah. Um, so, what was it? Something ridiculous. They're like, yeah, we want three million dollars per show. Oh my goodness. Mm. Could they demand... I mean, it depends how popular the dirt was. Could they demand $3 million, though? I'm sure they could. There's someone... I mean, they can demand it, but... Yeah. I'm sure there's someone who'd be stupid enough to humor them. What would be the places that they'd be really... Po- I, I don't know why I feel like they'd be really popular in Florida or really yeah. unpopular in Florida. <laughs> They're like the Florida man of 
But like bands like Limp Biscuit is popular in Florida, and mm. well, I mean they're from Florida, but I will say I prefer Limp Biscuit to Motley Crue. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent, hundred percent. I wish we were talking about Limp Biscuit right now. That's where our allegiances lay. I'm probably going to say a few times. I wish we were talking about Blank right now. Mm. So, oh man. I'm oh yeah, they asked for three point two five million per show. So I don't know how likely the spring reunion is going to, you know, keep going for, or mm. how long it's going to go for, or if, or if it's going to go at all. Yeah, I think it was more just like they might have also been testing the waters, like, yeah, we want three point two five million per show, and just to see if like someone will go, yeah, all right, we'll give you three point two five million <laughs> per show. Yeah, I think it was a collective three million as well. Right. I don't. Yeah, think, no, I don't think. Sure. I don't think they were individually going. We want to make. We want over 12 million per mm. show. Yeah. For all of us. Yeah. Bear with me. I'm trying to find something on our Twitter where one of our listeners was defending Floridian punk. One of our listeners? Yes. I've I know. seen a good Floridian punk movie. Yeah. It's called Twisted Issues, directed oh. by Charles Pinion. Sam, you would love it. It's like uh, 1989, um, just made by some kids who were in like skate culture and like yep. punk and stuff and it's almost a portrait of like what the grunge scene and like horror punk would kind yeah. of become oh, but, awesome um but also it's a zombie movie ah yeah that sounds so, amazing d- very DIY That's I great. do like my horror punk I'm getting trying yeah. to get more into it as well yeah. it was just basically misfits for the longest time yeah. the creep show was kind of horror punk or horror, horror rockabilly but did you find it? I did. So, shout out to fellow music enthusiast podcast, the Sadie Hawkins pod. Oh. They unpack every Reliant K song in yep. existence. We do a few Reliant K songs. We oh. do. So... If you're listening and you want to get in on this... Oh, don't worry. I'm already... I am way ahead of you on that one. We are going to cook up something, I hope. Um, so, yeah, they said the way that we discounted Florida as a center for pop punk was very unfest of us. <laughs> <laughs> but still in the spirit of fest, we are their brothers and sisters in arms, so crack open a beer. So, just a little bit of light ribbing from our I, you podcast didn't, You didn't tell me this. I'm shocked that we actually what? got a response from someone else. We do get some traction on here. I think I'm oh. just... I'm, you do really well on the social media side of it, though. It's, I don't. I don't follow our social media at all. It's look. It's basically just my personal Twitter at this point. <laughs> it's a fun Twitter. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> so yeah, shout out to people who are actually engaging with us. It really does mean a lot. And yeah, anyone like, do feel free to at us whenever you disagree with something because it means you're listening. Yeah. And we can strive to be better people. Anyway, um, that's great. Yes. And all. Uh, let's bring it down again. So, <laughs> about the song. Sure. Let's just let's just move on. Um, came from their second album, Shout at the Devil, from 1984. Which I listened to. Yes. For the purposes of this podcast. Yes. Huh. Uh, what else? Well, I mean, obviously Shout at the Devil's on it. Yeah. Shout at the Devil, you, you, will, you would probably won't recognize it, but it's... You know, in Idle Hands, and we've spoken about Idle Hands uh, before. What his, a good movie! His his neighbor who's always fixing his car, and he's I think he's meant to be like a faux Satanist, right, or something like a faux devil worshiping. I mean, guy. faux Satanist describes Motley Crue quite well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially in this film clip that we will talk about later on. Uh-huh. Um, 
And yeah, he's all like the only song he listens to is "Shout of the Devil." It's all, and that's probably because they could only probably afford. Well, they probably spent <laughs> a funny. lot of money getting the offspring on their their film, so they probably were like, "All right, we can get one song." I do really and want it's to. Got re- the, it's got devil in it. So. I do want to rewatch that as an adult because I do remember yeah. watching it probably when I was too young to be watching it at yeah. someone's place when we were being babysat. Um, but loved it. A lot of it would have gone over my head. A lot of the musical references would have just been lost on me. So. I think one of my favourite bits in it, it's just a really offhanded remark, is where he's trying to cut off his hand because it's possessed by the devil. Yes. And they've got the, uh, bagel cutters in America, which just looks like, <laughs> it looks like a little guillotine that, yeah. or guillotine that you would just, and they're like, like I don't think you're going to chop up, it. I don't think you can cut your hand off with that. Seth Green and the other guy yeah. that are dead in it. That's, I don't think that's going to cut your hand. And the other guy's just like, I don't think that's going to cut my bagel. It's just like this really stupid offhand remark that always cracked me up when I saw it. Amazing. So the song was written by Nicky Six. Sure. He was a... He, I get, getting the feeling from... Because I did read the books when mm. I was younger. And I got the feeling that he was a big... You know, he was one of the original members. He was a big driving force behind the band. A big creative force. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, he was also the tallest member of the band, I think. Mm. <laughs> Why not? Congratulations. Uh, it spent 10 weeks on the Billboard Hot 100. Peaking at 54 and then 12 on the mainstream rock charts. Oh, that's pretty good for back then, yeah. I would say. Yeah. 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 Especially if this was like their second album. Yeah, because the charts would move a lot more slowly yeah. back then than that's, it is now. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Um, do we get into the video before we talk about the song? Yeah, let's do it. We'll do the video and then talk about the song. All right. Filmed at A&M Soundstage, which you figured out is could I'm, be I'm sure I'll probably have to issue another correction next week but... just say allegedly and then you don't have to <laughs> yeah but yeah just going off a cursory Google it looks as if the A&M Records studio then became Jim Henson's studio or the Jim Henson studio which remember is, allegedly is delightful to me and even if that's not true I want to believe it so it's canon from now on yeah I've gotten more enjoyment out of Muppet songs, exactly. Then I have fucking well, what's the the Muppets band called? The one with um, oh Animal? oh, it's got a really weird name. It's cool. Hang Something on. it's like the guy with the big teeth and whatnot. Hey, Muppet band. So it's so it's all post apocalyptic. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. Teeth and the Electric. That's a wicked name. They rule. Mm. They're fucking. How good right. is it? It's got mayhem in it, <laughs> which. I also forgot we did mayhem at karaoke. We did. Amazing. <laughs> uh, what was it uh, freezing, freezing Moon? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because at the karaoke place, they're like, "Yes, yeah, give us your recommendations," and we were just like, "Let's see what we can do." Yeah. For next time. Amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, yeah, it has post-apocalyptic sort of Mad Maxi kind of themes. I know that again, remembering from the book, they were definitely inspired by Mad Max for yeah, a period right. with their with their. Um, stage de- decorations and mm. yeah with their film clips and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get into it a little bit more when we start actually talking about it but I tried to get into this band when I was a teenager and whatever yeah. um, so basically I'm trying to kind of unpack what happens Motley Crue well, Motley Crue is the <laughs> villains of the film clip yeah I feel like they know that they're the villains as well mm. Like with the pentagram symbol and stuff. Mm. Hence, hence faux Satanism. Yeah. Or hence faux Satan. It sort of kicks off very out of context. Like all of a sudden, like the video opens with them herding a bunch of like cave women into a cage. And mm. that's that's herding, not hurting yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. Like like cattle. 
Yeah, like yeah. with torches and stuff. But I'm just like, but what happened before that? Anyway. Becomes in media res, as they say. <laughs> like a cold open? Yes. Yeah. Yes. TV show? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just want to suggest that this video clip would be really good if it was All Muppets. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, there are so many things I want to raise money for right now. <laughs> It's like there was a Reddit thread the other day and it was like, any movie but replace all but one mm. person with Muppets, what would you choose? I couldn't think of anything, but this is a perfect place to start. Yep. Um, the dirt. Hard candy. Oh, fuck. Ah. Have you seen hard candy? No, no, no. I know what it's about. It's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. Anyway. <laughs> I feel like I've just killed it. What were we... So, yeah, so, you yeah. were saying, like, they are the bad guys. And then this warrior woman shows up, played by actress Wendy Barry. And then I tried to find out a bit more about her. And I think she was... I think she did, like, a few B-grade movies in her time. Like, right. like, a few sort of monster movies and that sort of thing in the 80s. I couldn't really find too much about her. She has an IMDb page and it, yeah, it was not very active. Should get her on the pod. Sure. Mm. <laughs> what, was it, what, was it, what was it like having Motley Crue... Heard you into a cave. Hustle up against you. Well, no, she rescues yeah, the yeah, women. Yeah. She She's the warrior woman that rescues the women. Yep. It's such a shit video clip. And they just... They... Yeah, they go down a corridor and... and I don't know which members they are. Basically, I can tell Vince Neil apart from everyone else because he's blonde. blonde. And I can tell Nikki Six apart from everyone else because he's tall. But yeah. Mick Mars and... Tommy Lee in that era. At that time, yeah. They are, they're just interchangeable to me because they're just the other two dudes with black hair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can tell them apart now because Tommy Lee looks like Tommy Lee. Mick Mars looks like he's dead. So. Mm. <laughs> Jesus. He's still hanging in there. He's still hanging in there, Which but he's good for him. You watch like live performances now and he doesn't move too much. Mm. He kind of just looks like, man, anything but this. Mm. <laughs> I, I do find it very hard to find exceptions to the idea of like after a certain age you just need to pump the brakes like and they didn't they just kept sort of i i mentioned it off the pod they're walking affliction t-shirts mm. yeah the affliction the brand it's like the really gaudy t-shirt designs as you said i think a lot of ufc fighters wore affliction shirts i think a lot of people like around ufc yeah Not even yeah. the fighters but like a lot of a lot of sort of Personality. I'm trying to think of yeah. like Five Finger Death Punch bands like that. Yeah, bands totally. like Sonic Syndicate mm. were like, you know, bands who were associated with motocross. Yeah, totally. as well yeah. wore Affliction t-shirts, and that's kind of what Motley Crue looks like, kind of now or like in the last decade or two. But they're they're, that, that's fi- how, they're in their fifties and sixties now. That's how far like aesthetics have come for them. It's like you know glam metal makeup and all that. The 90s. Yeah. Oh, what are we going to do then? Oh, maybe we'll play rap metal instead. And a bit of grunge. And then, and, yeah, yeah, and then it ends at like Ed Hardy and Affliction shows. Yeah. It just hasn't gone anywhere since. Yeah, no, they haven't. Yeah. Um, and so... Is that basically it? Yeah. For the, for the film clip? I mean, they don't give us much to go off. It's very out of context. I mean, if, if, I, were, if I was to actually put a proper lens on this video, I'd Please be like, do. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> You know, uh, uh, glam metal all about, you know, stereotypes of men and women, blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, like, if you look at the history of rock and roll and, like, gender bedding and stuff, mm. right? Like, Little Richard, 
yeah. um, subversive. Elvis, you know, was quite like not openly sexual, but like but provocative. He, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, David Bowie. Yeah, yeah. Um, like New York Dolls, who like yeah, the first yeah. glam rock band, yeah. really. Who All then, that stuff. Who then Velvet Underground on the really. east on the east coast heavily inspired Twisted Sister. Absolutely, yeah. who far superior band to Motley Crue. Yeah, but it's like at this point in time, the early eighties, like that's when that kind of glam scene starts going from. Yeah, like in my mind, like subversive and actually you know representing something and yeah. like being yeah. kind of like gender fluid and stuff to. Just this thing of like, hey, we're gonna wear makeup because you know it's a gimmick. Hey, yeah. all we want is to get chicks, and, and then it is like we're gonna look, we're gonna dress this way and look this way, but it is still toxic masculinity. Yeah, definitely Absolutely. out the ass. Yeah, just kind of buying into the rock star myth, like mm. fully uncritically. Yes, yes, yeah, and just the idea of like cavemen and cave women in makeup. Like, yeah, around. I think that's yeah, that's the thing that got me the most about this video was besides the fact that they didn't even try to put any sort of thought into a cohesive narrative. It's literally just, yeah, like boiling down that whole men-women dichotomy into... Yeah, it's not even a statement. It's no, just like... It's just yeah. women wearing barely anything. Let's chase them. Yeah. And manhandle them. Like, what the fuck? Mm. I will say Mick Mars plays a BC Rich... I believe it was a warlock... Um, although I'm not too sure I wanted one desperately in high school it's all points yeah the, Mick Thompson the lead guitarist from Slipknot yeah I don't know if he still plays that or what does he no does he play a Fender he, now he played that in like the Iowa um, the yeah, Iowa right. era and the I think he still played it in the duality era yeah right um, huh. it's got I know the Warlock definitely on the head had like the, the sort of like pointy parts to it as well I yeah like, i want one of those mostly because he played one and i was obsessed cool. i was obsessed with slipknot at the time yeah sick yeah. not so much anymore but that's fine i'll take they put out the best album last year that's <laughs> yeah i'm not i'm not gonna argue with you on that one <laughs> anyway anyway so i i to say oh yeah like i still i wanted to go back to twisted sister because i just feel like they they were in the hair metal, glam metal kind totally. of space, but they definitely were a much superior band. Yeah, I mean, there's quite a few bands of that era who are actually bands, you know? Yeah. Like, or known for the music first and not the antics. Like, Well, he kind of did that in... Um, like, because I'm just going to say, like, I think Stay Hungry is one of those albums I still listen to very regularly. Huh. That's, a, that's an album that I seriously dig. And they did a documentary on Netflix, which didn't cover that album. It was their first album. Right. And it was interesting enough, but it wasn't, like, too interesting. Like, it wasn't as interesting as I wanted it to be. But they were on top of the pops. Mm. They got to England, were on top of the pops, and they were dressed as they were. And yeah, so, like, yeah. D. Snyder has, like, the huge blonde hair, and he's got yeah. all the makeup on. And the, the British people are just, like, they're giving them nothing. And he's, like, mm. he's just up there on stage. He's, like, all right, mother. He's, like, all right. Fucking hell. I, I, he starts wiping off the makeup on stage. He's like, all right, do you want to hear us sing now? Like, we will, we will play now. Like, yeah, I'm right. taking it all off. Well, they, would, they would be lip syncing anyway on Top of the Pops then. Top of the Pops? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably. But eventually, like, Lemmy is there, like, sit, like in the crowd. He's like, and Lemmy comes up on stage wow. with them. And it's, it wasn't until basically Lemmy gets up on stage with them and goes, 
I think it was Top of the, top of the Pops, but it was a t- British television show. Yeah. And it wasn't until basically Lemmy from Motorhead gets up on stage with him that the British people are like, well, all right, yeah. all right, we'll listen to what they've got to say. Because, like, in the mainstream at the time, there was not that much overlap between the US and UK, like, yeah. like the UK New Romantics and, like, the US glam stuff. Yeah. There really wasn't. Like, there was British heavy metal, for sure, that... Sounded a bit like this. And I feel mm. like that, like yeah. the UK still very much has its own microcosm in terms of pop culture. Like mm. so many things that I see that are popular in the UK, I'm just like, this is completely foreign to me. Mm. Like it's quite interesting how they are very global, obviously, but they're also quite insular in that sense. Like there yeah, are yeah. a lot of things that just get completely missed outside of the UK. It's pretty interesting. Mm. But speaking of top of the pops and that kind of stuff, I love. There's like. I'm pretty sure it was Nirvana or something. They did like mm. a yeah, yeah. Yes, like they did a spot on one of those things and they just completely like Cuz they were told to lip sync. Yeah, and they yeah, just could, yeah. like I think they were all on the wrong instruments just not even trying to play like Well, I think it's the one where Kirk Cobain's just like cuz they're doing smells like Teen Spirit and mm. I don't know any of the lyrics to Teen Spirit. How dare you? But he's just sort of like, he's just sort of singing like, whoa, 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 <laughs> hello, hello. And he's just got the, the sunglasses on and he's just, he does not give a flying. And I, a I hadn't really yeah. watched too, I hadn't really gotten too much into Nirvana at that point. And we're at my sister's place and they had like a Nirvana retrospective. And I only saw that and I'm like, and I didn't know it was a joke. I was like, wow, Nirvana's, <laughs> I know that people love Nirvana and they're like considered, you know, this groundbreaking band and. They're kind of shit, though. Yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah, and then, respect for that. I loved it. Yeah, definitely. And then when I learned what it was about, I was like, oh, okay, I get that. And like, that's kind of cool yeah. that they did that. So, Sam, would you like to tell us your Motley Crue story? And maybe that way we can get to the song. So, I guess, well, well, I mean, I guess my Motley Crue story is that when I was, yeah, from like 16 to, se- oh, like 17 to 18, I really tried to get into Motley Crue. Why? Mm. I read the book. I read Nikki Six's book, The Heroin Diaries. Yep. And then I read The Dirt. And I was like, they're kind of interesting people. I want to get into this band. Yep. So I bought their live DVD. Didn't really gel with it. I listened to some of their songs. And I just tried. And yeah. it just the sound just didn't work for me. And we mentioned it in the Guns N' Roses episode. Like, Guns N' Roses, they... I mean, they toured with Motley Crue, I think... Motley Crue was one of the first bands that they toured with. Yep. You know, they, they opened for Motley Crue at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. But then it was like they sort of went, well, okay, we're going to kind of take that sound and kind of take that look, not to that degree, mm. but we're going to be, we're going to do it better. Yeah. For sure. And like, yeah. Like both the heavy rock stuff and the ballads. Yeah. 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 Like it all is just, it's all just on another level, mm. you know. And it's, yeah, you look at both the vocalists, the, you know, Axel's definitely a much better singer than than Vince Neil. Yeah. Um, who like yeah, they, I think they were just musically better. So I think at the time I was trying to get into both, and I definitely like Guns N' Roses had yeah. more staying power than Motley Crue. Yeah. I don't know. I just I just yeah tried to get into them. I gave them more effort than I probably should have. Hmm. And it just in the end I was like, nah, I just don't think I like this band. Fair enough. Very much like from a certain time and place, right? Like I can ma- I can imagine if you were thirteen or fourteen in nineteen eighty three, yeah. Um, and they were your first exposure to hard rock and MTV or whatever. Like how they might be someone's favorite band, you know? Like definitely a gateway band that would that could then lead to bands like Wasp 
yeah. like Twisted Sister. And, yeah, and yeah. yet still Motley Crue do have like a distinct following. Even oh yeah, on Hard Rock, which is interesting to me. Yeah, I think yeah, and I think so much of that does tie back to their story and like their mythology. You know, yeah, because it's very clearly defined. It's like they're like such rock stars in every sense of the word. Yeah, you know that I think. Yeah, like, the whole idea of buying it into it, like, uncritically and stuff, you know? Like, I haven't read the books, but I'm sure, like, they're, like, somewhat critical about their lifestyles and, like, at least, like, self-aware, right? Well, I mean, I read them at about 18, so I, yeah. that was a long, long... Uh, they, were, they were critical of Bon Jovi. <laughs> I remember that. What? Yeah. They're, they're talking about a bit... They're, they're going on tour with... Uh, I think they're going on tour with, like, Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. Um, someone else and Bon Jovi right and they were like yeah alright we'll go on tour as long as Bon Jovi's not the headliner we're fine to open for Aussie but we don't want to head- we don't want to open for Bon Jovi and of course they get there and they like, they play like third mm. or they play yeah they they play like third last or whatever and of course Bon Jovi's the headliner because <laughs> yeah. bon, this was like 1988 and yeah. Bon Jovi was the biggest out of all of them yes and he has this ridiculous entrance where he like comes in a helicopter and and, also, and they're just like furious about that it's like what, what do you expect like he's yeah. a bigger act than you yeah he's yeah. a bigger act than you you okay. idiots sorry Richard I promise we will let you continue on your yeah analysis because you have probably done the most <laughs> kind the thing, analysis of them the thing i was going to add is that like i'm sure if you read the heron diaries like nicky six is honest about his drug yeah, use and stuff yeah. but he's not pro heroin no no right. and, and like he and that's yeah like he had he had the band he turned it into a band i'm pretty sure it was the heroin diaries and yeah. it was like yeah 6 a.m yeah, yeah, yeah 6 a.m that's ah. right yeah. and it was like an acoustic Which people do like yeah it was what was it? It was a weird like acoustic project where it was kind of like reading out entries from right. their heroin diaries or something yeah. like He's, that. He seems like a reasonably a smart guy mm. to me. Yeah, but the whole thing is like that to me gets lost in translation, right? Because yeah. you people call like a myth. It's like a fixed story on loop or whatever. So yeah. you think of Motley Crue, you think of like oh debauchery, eighties, yeah. you know. 90s decline, two thousands get back together. Vince Neil can't sing anymore, etc. Mm. But yeah. then. You watch a film like The Dirt, which I have not seen, by the way, but you can kind of imagine everything. You know, they're not yeah. going to dwell on, like, the ugly side. No, yet, God, you know? no. And, you know, miraculously, like, all four of them survived. So that what? alone makes it kind of a triumphant story in, yeah. in like, if you zoom out far enough. Yeah. I think it could have been twice. I know it was definitely once. Nikki Six died. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. yeah. So Nikki Six had a heroin overdose. I think it was. I thought it was twice. I thought he had two heroin overdoses that killed him, mm. and his, his heartbeat got, stopped. Yeah, which which influenced the song Kickstart. Yeah. I was about to say. Yeah. Okay. So. And there's a funny bit in the office where where Dwight and Jim go on call to to like a, a sales call basically, and Dwight pumps himself up by listening <laughs> yeah, to Kickstart My Heart in the car, right. and he's punching the headrest. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. I was going to say something else about them, but no, that's all right. It'll come back to you. I, I get that. Definitely, there's that feeling of yeah, we were young and fuck, like I nearly died. So there's probably yeah. that introspective sort of yeah, probably not great for me. No know, kind of thing. Because yeah. it's like that particular myth. Um, the LA eighty Sunset Strip version of the myth kind of lives on, right? Yeah, and you know, it's not mainstream now, but it's still 
around to a sense and I've always felt that there are like certain people who still like really buy into that like they really wish they could turn back time to the 80s but yeah. to me that's kind of missing why it died in the first place yeah yeah, yeah. Um, even as someone who likes some of the music yeah. yeah we always like to think back to the things that you know brought us joy when we were younger you talk yeah. like you have the older gamers that are like oh games were just games are not as good as what they were in the 80s it's like do you remember what it was like without having save points yeah and checkpoints and, yeah. And, you know, just... I've seen people advocate for like no save points what these days. yeah um yeah, the... but then your game's gonna be an hour long because you don't have a save point in it yeah yeah hmm. like they just made them games were just made ridiculously hard to quell the you know the shortness of them exactly yeah, yeah. And or, that's or, not... to, or to feed quarters. Yeah, and there were good games then, but yeah, there, were yeah. a lot of, there was a lot of crap as well. Yeah. 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 So, I don't know. Well, not, this isn't a video game podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised it hasn't been today, actually. I, we I'm surprised really... it hasn't been a wrestling podcast, but... Are you sure it isn't? <sighs> Are you sure about that? <laughs> I'm, I'm wearing my, my Naito shirt to in support of Naito tonight. I am mm. going to stop you there. We're going to keep talking about Motley Crue. Motley Crue... I don't know, Nitro does look like he could have been in a hair metal band. I guess so. He's a bit scruffy. He's a bit grungy too. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) you describe it as Neanderthal rock. Well, it's what people would have considered Neanderthal rock at the time, Mm. I guess, right? Because it's kind of heavy, but it's not like Metallica heavy. No. This same year as Kill 'Em All, right? Yeah. And if you listen to those two records back to back, Shattered Devil's Lake... You know, kind of stock riffs. They have a bit of chemistry as a band, mm. but it's not particularly like nimble or funky or heavy or anything. It's That's... pop. It's pop music. Yeah. To me, it sort of it does sound like like this song in particular does sound yes. like the result of getting people in a room and hitting stuff. Totally. Like very. Yeah. And I guess that does sort of capture that just male energy, like that For just sure. sort of like. And again, this could have definitely been an alright gateway into Kill 'em All. Yes. If, if you were a 13 year old in 1984, like, okay, yeah, I'll listen to this. And then, oh, hey, there's this band called Metallica. What yeah. about? Who plays like twice as fast. Yes, still twice as fast and twice as heavy and is still better. Yeah. yeah. Vastly sure. better. Well, Hello Waits was around about that time as well. Yeah. Yeah, Slayer. An early version of Slayer did cover this song, Looks Like Kill. Huh. Ah. Yeah. Um, there was footage that like got put up a couple of years ago, I think. Yeah. A metal injection. But yeah, Tom Araya and his brother or something. Oh, yeah. And yeah, they're playing the song like a lot faster too. Yeah. So, would have been 1983. Kind of interesting. So, we watched a video called Vince Neil is the best singer in the world. <laughs> and it's hilarious because it's Vince Neil sometime in the, you know, current, present, whatever, not that long ago. And he does not. He does not do well on stage anymore. No. And it's just like, at that point, when you get that old and you've been singing that long like that, mm. it can't work. And it's, you know, to go back to Tom Araya, yeah. you know, he doesn't do the high-pitched scream no. at the start of Angel of Death. He hasn't done that for years because it's probably a yeah. fucking strain on your voice at that age. Yeah. You listen to this song, right? And you can tell Vince Neil, his voice is not going to age. Well, yeah. Because yeah. his technique is, like, bad. Yeah. You know, um, Would you mind unpacking that a bit more for those um, of us who don't think about our vocal techniques? The <laughs> comparison to make is like a band like Judas Priest, mm. right? Rob Halford yeah. kind of sung in a similar range. This song kind of sounds a bit like Judas Priest, if you think about it. Certain eras, yeah, it's like British of, Steel, um, Screaming for Vengeance. Era. Kind of like a very soft, um, yeah, painkiller era. Yeah, there's really like just soft. enough overlap, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, and Rob Halford 
does scream and sing hi, um, but he sounds like his his chest is like quite breath supported. Right. Yeah. Like he's taking full breaths and stuff. Vince Neil, like, he'll do this thing where he kind of goes high and screams, but it, he's not trying to sound like he's singing with full voice. Right. So it's just jumping into the head range. It's kind yeah. of quiet. Yeah, without yeah. the support. Um, it's like faux screaming. Yeah. Almost. Okay. And it sounds like that even in the studio recordings back yeah. then. But now it's like really pronounced. Yeah. Um, and oh, that's happened yeah. to like a lot of singers. I mean, it's kind of... Uh, like a certain amount of vocal decline is inevitable. Yeah. But yeah. just, yeah, it manifests itself differently. Do you think that would have been something that was more, I guess, for lack of a better word, common back then of like, fuck yeah, I can sing really high, but like not actually focusing on how that would be preserved? I don't... I mean, to an extent, like yeah. there are a lot of singers with much better technique who, or at least much better, like, who sing better like who emote yeah. better yeah. who've still had that happen to them yeah yeah um even like john bon jovi's had the similar yeah thing, true yeah you know? yeah mm. i don't know but it's weird because vince neil does have a naturally quite high speaking voice he's yeah. very much a tenor but it's not like axel or whatever yeah. he's had mm. in the range yeah. yeah doesn't sound like a born singer and i don't think he would have had the the pr- the basically the the practice and the teachings like exactly axel had Again, that was another book that I read was the right. Slash book. And Axel did, you know, work on his voice. For oh, sure. And he, he, you know, was very much influenced by people like Freddie Mercury and, yes. and, and, yeah. and, you know, Aretha Franklin. And he was very, you know, he wanted to be a singer, to be a singer, probably, whereas Vince Neil was possibly like, I want to be a singer because I want to be the leader of this band. Totally. I want to be so the... much about image. Yes. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know the guy, but. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you've put a note here that hard rock was pop music. Yeah. And it's still a little bit countercultural. That, yeah. Um, as I said, like, uh, the whole, like, glam theatricality aspects. And um, it's like, if you look at the history of hard rock, right? Like, I always think of Led Zeppelin as kind of the first hard yeah, rock band. Yeah. Then yeah. maybe Deep Purple. Deep, Deep Purple. And, um, like, this song kind of sounds a bit like Highway Star mm. to me. Like, same key. You know, not as fast, but that's, you know, that driving, whatever. Yep. That's definitely an influence. They were but... they were um, who heavily influenced them was Aerosmith. Yeah, like, totally. Again, again, a memory from the book. They yeah. were heavily and even I think even in the eighties, Stephen Tyler was off drugs and alcohol, and he was one of them that was like, "Hey, man, like you need to just yeah. stop that a bit." Yeah, it's interesting because <laughs> yeah, nineteen eighty three, right? So hard rock at this point has only been around for like seventeen years, probably. Mm. I want to say. And in that time, it's changed so much. So, like, punk rock, The Stooges is kind of parallel to that. Yeah. Sex Pistols, very commercially successful. The Ramones did pretty well. Um, Like, Van Halen kind of kicked off the entire glam metal movement to me. a much better band. Yeah, definitely. Um, Van Halen to me are like Faith No More in that they spawned a lot of many worse bands. Yeah. 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 but then you get a band like Kiss, who's kind of the ultimate commercial product, right? Yeah. And they did write songs. I don't really like them much as musicians, but the songs were kind of there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, well, there's a reason why they made it as big. Like, you can only... Image can only go so far, I guess. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And it's like you have the the controversy of, like, Alice Cooper. Yeah. Or, like, Ozzy Osbourne, where... um. Alice Cooper, it was, like, integral to the music. Yes. Yeah. It was a stage show. Ozzy, 
It's like he didn't. He kind of sang about that, but it was almost like separate. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but that was definitely like a big part of his appeal. Yeah. Right. So it's like at this point, hard rock has gone from like Zeppelin and Purple, whatever, to very much being like a thing for white kids in the suburbs. Yes. You know, like middle class. Which eras of I'm going to jump back. Which eras of Aussie, which do you prefer, Ozzy Osbourne or Black Sabbath? And I was, gonna, and then I'm going to say, which eras of Alice Cooper do you prefer? His early stuff in like the 70s. I've never the really listened to Alice Cooper. None of like not the, a detail. No, I used to. I used to really, and it's probably because it was on Wayne's World, was feeding my Frankenstein. Yeah, oh, I used yeah, to yeah. really get into and Poison. Poison's like, a great song. Yeah, Poison's a really good song. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, certainly yeah. is. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I like bits of Sabbath throughout. Mm. Ozzy is like very pop metal yeah like he did it well for a time we get into crazy train I don't at some point I don't like I may be on there yeah I'm not I'm not terribly into crazy train so yeah um but the thing I was gonna say is like the one like hard rock was very much ensconced in the mainstream at the time right um the one kind of countercultural value it had was that it did piss off conservative like Christian parents in the right um that's Sorry, you go. Yeah, this is the era of the PMRC, like the Parents Music Resource Centre. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, this is also the time of the Satanic Panic. Exactly, yeah, very linked. Um, so the PMRC was ran by Tipper Gore, Al mm. Gore's wife, who oh, shit. campaigned um, to essentially put uh, warning stickers on yeah. albums uh, to prevent them from being sold to kids. Is or... that the whole, how the whole thing started? Yeah, pretty much. Fuck, okay. Right? Wow. And so they had this thing called like the Dirty Dozen. Yep. Um, which was like 12 examples of like debauchery, sex, whatever. So <laughs> Madonna, Prince, Cindy Lauper, I think Motley Crue's on it. Black Sabbath would be. I was D- about to say D- all the good ones and then you said Motley Crue. I was like, yeah. Dee Snider gets there. He yeah. talks and, and you think he's just going to be like a, a, they think he's just going to be a slavering idiot. He's well, they like, had hearings in Congress about this. Yeah. yeah. And, yep. and like he goes in like in just old denim, like he's got his denim vest and his huge blonde hair and he just gets there <laughs> and he's like, he's incredibly well-spoken. Yeah. He's yeah. Like, he's like, no, this is our like freedom of speech, man. And it's like, Him and Frank Zappa were like, yeah. Wow. Yeah, really articulate yeah. there. And so, um, yeah, just the idea that like they, these groups wanted to blame like the decline of kids on music. Yeah. And the artists were like, hey, you know, it's like everything else. Yeah. In yeah. society that's causing this. Exactly. Whatever. This is just an outlet. Yeah. But like we're writing music about the other shitty things that are. Yeah. Like to a point at least. Yeah. Or but, at least like letting out our frustrations via being in this band. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Um, but there's this documentary that's like fascinating called Heavy Metal Parking Lot. Mm. Which I don't know if oh, you've seen it. No. It's like 15 minutes, right? And it's footage of these kids, probably in Florida or something. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, Shout out to Florida. Yeah. Outside a Judas Priest concert oh, in, cool. I think, 85, 86, right? Yeah. And it's total, like, scum of the earth. Like, just total drop kicks. <laughs> um, but, like, everyone's completely, like unfiltered yeah yeah it's almost like reality tv it's oh, a total wow. train wreck but it's fascinating for like yeah. what it captures at the time oh cool you know because that's what i guess america looked like yeah i can't remember the name of it but another really good metal documentary is the one about metallica shortly after they did the black album uh, what, a year and a half in the life of metallica Maybe. it's it's very i don't want to say underground but it's very like one man in a camera kind of documentary right. yeah I've and it's it. just it's it goes to a lot of 
like they speak to Tom Araya from Slayer and he's like they're like so what do you think of the Black Album and he's just sort of like huh. <laughs> oh, I bet. but but like it's funny because and a lot of people they you know they speak to a lot of the fans and the fans are like oh no this fucking sucks I hate this but then it's the you know that was, it was their most commercially successful album mm-hmm. yeah at the time it was the idea that they were making music that like jocks could listen to as well yeah yeah mm-hmm. and it kind of became that yeah 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 you know meatheads and whatever so yeah uh, one of your other points which i do agree hard rock has barely any room for women yeah um not just that era where women are like eye candy and stuff but even now i feel that modern hard rock like very much only accepts women when they are in bands and stuff that are like super familiar templates you know you're not like rocking the boat it's got to be like hailstorm or a band like that who you know fully fits the 80s template yeah but they won't listen to like i don't know like slater kinney or something Mm -hmm. yeah that's like heavy and like really creative comes from a different tradition but you know yeah i did i didn't get to read it because i only saw it you know about 10 minutes before we before you arrived there is an Mm -hmm. article i think on loudwire that's just oh i saw it too yeah about this 2020 the year of the decade that female vocalists in metal die out. Well, no, the phrase the phrasing is different. It's like, can we finally do away with in quotes female fronted metal? Yeah, and what it it's actually like pro gender equality because yep. it's saying, um, can we stop like marketing every female fronted band as that as a genre? Can it just genre? be other? Yeah, band. exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, some parts of metal are like worse at that than others. Because, like, the closer you get to pop metal and hard rock, like, I think the more conservative you get, in a way. Yeah. See, because I feel like... I mean, I remember the first time I heard Arch Enemy. Mm. And, I, and then it was like, oh, wait, that's a woman? Yeah. And it was like, that blew my mind. But I feel like a band like that didn't really... It wasn't like, oh, we're a band fronted by a woman. We're just a, yeah. we're just a heavy metal band. They kind of are now, but in that, like, when they replaced Angela Gosso, like, their second vocal... Well, the, they had a male vocalist first. Replaced him with Angela Gosso, who's like the Gossip. iconic one. Yeah. And then replaced her with... Alyssa White Blues from The Agonist. Agonist. The original yeah. vocalist of The Agonist. And like by that point, they explicitly had said, we want a female vocalist. Yeah. yeah. Which is interesting. So, But yeah, like I'm just thinking of other bands that it's like... I'm trying to think of a band that's like... Like N- Nervosa. Which I think they're a Brazilian okay. thrash band. That's all females. Yeah. Um... And they're they're sick. Yeah. It was the other one. There was another one that was like, it was something about torturing male genitals, basically. But oh. they were like a female, like brutal death metal band, which is it's it's awesome because that style of music is incredibly misogynistic. Yeah. And yeah. they've yeah. come along and gone, well, we're going to tilt it on its head. We're going to we're a female fronted band, or we're a female we're a female metal band that's going to do basically the same kind of vocals but it's about you know doing that stuff to men yeah as well Hmm. so I still like to sort of bring it back to Steel Panther and that I Mm. one thing that I it shits me that it like that it's still so pervasive is that just that very sort of at face value misogynistic sort of stage presence yeah like as long as that is still around there is still very much going to be this real wedge driven between women and men in the scene. Yeah. Because, like, if you're not taking women seriously when you're fronting a band and you're getting girls on stage to dance around in their underwear Mm. and stuff, like, 
how can you then sort of give any sort of respect yeah or even space yeah, yeah. in yeah. a tangible sense to a woman who is trying to do the same thing as you like yeah, yeah. and also like that's not something that I like for me personally I wouldn't want to ape those kinds of bands mm. if I were to forge my own way into the industry like mm. yeah I'm, I'm always reminded of the bit in Spinal Tap where they're releasing a new album and I can't remember exactly what Fran Dresch is in it briefly and I don't remember what her character is in it she's but just she's, the nanny well no she's she's something involved with the record label and she's like she's like we love the album but we've got to talk about the album cover and like what's what's wrong with it and she's like she's trying to sort of subtly say what's wrong and then she eventually is like look it's a woman on all fours with a dog collar on and you've got a, there's a male hand holding a glove in front of her face saying, sniff the glove. And they're yeah. like, what's wrong with that? And she's like, it's sexist. And one of them goes, what's wrong with being sexy? <laughs> oh, Jesus that was before a lot of this too. Yeah. 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 And it was kind of, and it was making fun of this, mm. basically. But it's just, I just thought, and like, just not like trying to be funny, just being dumb. Just like, what's wrong with being sexy? Yeah. <laughs> and that, I think that to me is like, I feel like a lot of like your Steel Panthers and stuff probably do cite um, that film as being mm. like a, yeah as being for sure oh haha like we want to sort like it's a wink to the likes of Spinal Tap and all mm. that but they're not there's yeah they're, we're missing they're, the irony part they're not doing it in real life no but also they are like very much promoting that image yeah uncritically yeah I think that yeah I just I don't get that sense of irony of like yeah we know this is shithouse because yeah you can sort of grandstand and play like a toxic mess like well even like local Melbourne like comedy duo Dazza and Keith like they play up toxic masculinity but they're doing it in a sense of how fucking shit is this oh totally like, yeah yeah it can be done but a lot of contemporary bands in this space they're missing the point almost. Yeah. Does it come across better with Dazza and Keith though because they're women? Oh, I'm sure it probably does. Oh, but right. if, I don't know, if a male duo were to step up and do the same thing, they could still do it. It's oh, just no one fucking is. Don't, and don't get me wrong, Dazza and Keith is great. Oh, absolutely. Dazzer, yeah. And what they, what they point a finger at is... I know what is, you mean though, is like, again, it's being left to the women. To sort yeah, of pretty much. That's exactly Raise what I mean. the fact of like, hey guys, this is actually really shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. But yeah, shout out to Dazzer and Keith. You guys yeah. are great. We haven't actually spoken about looks that kill. Well, we can't, we've spoken around it. Yeah. yeah. Spoken around I, it. I think it's probably the best song on that album, which is not saying that much. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did... Yeah, like, it's mid-tempo, but it does have hooks, I would say. Yeah. yeah. It's somewhat catchy, but you can also imagine in your mind, like, the stuff that is better than it. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Because I went back and listened to a little bit of Motley Crue. Like, uh, people really like their first album, Too Fast for Love. Just because yep. they sound a little bit more like a glam punk, like power pop band oh, cool, yeah. on it. Yep. Uh, a bit looser. So That would be one of the songs that I do enjoy is Too Young to Fall in Love. Right. Is it too Young to Fall in Love? Yeah, that's yeah. one of them. Live Wire's alright. Yeah. That, yeah, a little bit Judas Priest, like, you know, yeah. tempo. Yeah. Um, like, I heard a bit of Dr. Feelgood which I think is an album that I would actually like yeah just cause like Bob Rock handles the production and they got clean for that album so yep. there's like a bit more Suncraft and Bob Rock that. did Metallica's Metallica. Black Album and yep. like the, his production on Dr. Feelgood like got Metallica to hire them yep. yeah oh yeah. wow 
That's cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, I don't know. Yeah, probably out of the album, it would be one of the better songs. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I were you finished or? Oh, I accidentally pressed something on the table and it's, <laughs> I didn't want it to fold in. Um, you go. I literally listen to this in the shower as is my ritual for nice. studying songs. Um, yeah, literally just before we recorded and. It's fine, but it's just very unremarkable. Like, mm. like last week's cover was unremarkable. But yeah, like there's, yeah, this, and yeah, like you said, Richard, like it's not saying much that this is probably the best offering off that album. Like, yeah. I can only imagine how average the rest of the songs yeah. must be. Yeah. For this to have been the standout and to have charted. Like, yeah, in what should have been like their creative peak. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, usually I'm, by the second or third album the bands are like okay this is this is their best stuff yeah yeah. I think even the bigger Motley Crue fans I know like some of whom are music critics some are musicians or whatever like even they will admit that the band is inconsistent at yeah. best yeah. yeah to me that's like very favourable but you know I get where they're coming from yeah shall I read some of Rolling Stone's review from 1984 please sure. do <laughs> I think it's going to be a lot more articulate than what we so, can muster they said in short, originality is not this group's long suit. But then, who expected it to be? The whole point of bands like Motley Crue is to provide cheap thrills to jaded teens, and that's where the album ultimately disappoints. Although, 10 Seconds to Love boasts enough sexual innuendo to amuse the average 13-year-old boy until the next issue of Penthouse, Motley Crue's promise of sex, rowdiness, and rock and roll falls short on at least two counts. <laughs> So, I mean, that's coming from someone who seems like they know, like, they get the genre. Yeah. Who wrote that, sorry? Um, Robert Christgau. No, no, no. no. That's um, the next thing I was going to say. Uh, um, Robert Christgau of The Village Voice called this album a must to avoid. Must to avoid. <laughs> that's one of his labels. Yeah. Incredible. We should steal it. Must to avoid. Must to avoid. <laughs> yeah. It is very good. Um, that's kind of, here's the nail on the head, though, like. Yeah, Motley Crue was for thirteen-year-old boys. Yeah, because there are bands of that time, like like when Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin first came out, um, they were kind of viewed as Neanderthals by yeah. previous generation, right? And you know, time has kind of vindicated them because they yeah. were doing something original. It was a bit Neanderthal, but it was also original. Yeah. And um, oh no! Hey, guest on the pod, Anthony. Hello. Good, how are you? Good, thank you. What's happening? Not a lot, you're on the podcast. What, right now? Yeah. <laughs> We're recording. Can I swear? Do you consent to us recording you for the pod? Of course I do. Thank you. <laughs> I, did, I did warn that uh, this might happen. Um, <laughs> it, it's not live, so you can swear as much as you want. It's also we swear oh. as much as we want anyway, so... <laughs> I just really randomly I did have a quick yep. question did you ever listen to because I I swear you did and I was going to say this as a story anyway but I'm glad that you called up did you ever listen to a band called Diesel Boy when you were in when you were in your punk phase oh was it Diesel Boy Diesel Boy they had a song where in the chorus it was about his pants falling down <laughs> I didn't ring any bells 
Doesn't ring any but I could have sworn I could have heard that coming out of your room a lot when you were going through your punk phase. It could have just been a random song that he had on like a mix CD. Yeah, it could have been. It might have you know, I got mixed up when dad used to listen to just Diesel. When what? <laughs> when uh, Jeff listened to Diesel. Diesel. <laughs> I, don't know, like, I had a lot of like those, you know, those um, what were they called? It's like the chorus is like my pants are falling down. Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> one of those, um, yeah, one of those uh, back records. Yeah, so it was, it was on a compilation, and you listened to it a bit. I, I could have sworn. Yeah, no, I did. Yeah, I definitely did. Oh, excellent! Because we're yeah, that's who. Well, they they did a cover of a Motley Crue song, and it's pretty abysmal. So this is. Uh, no, uh, looks that kill. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much. That's what pretty we much. That's to. pretty much our consensus yeah. of the song is. Oh yeah. Anyhow, yeah. Anyhow, yeah. Sure. yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that does that does speak, but I, I think that might have been the only song that, that I can remember. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's about it. Uh, the, do, do you remember what the song was called? No. It was called Titty Twister. Titty Twister. <laughs> Titty Twister. <laughs> Yeah, it's called wow. Titty, it's called Titty Twister. So, maybe, maybe while maybe while Freddie's recovering from his broken leg, you can play him from Titty Twister. <laughs> Get him started <laughs> early. <laughs> well, it's been. A, 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 I knew I was going to get you on eventually. We'll have to get you on wow. a, on an actual capacity. But it's been lovely having my big brother on the podcast. All right, thank you. Yeah, have a good day. Bye. All right. Nice. That's probably as good a place as any for us to. It would have been great if we were talking about Diesel Boy at that point that he called, Mm. but But now we are. Yeah. Yeah, we are. So Diesel Boy were formed. Well, they formed in 1993, and they hail from Santa Rosa, California. Although they've been on hiatus since 2002, uh, the lead singer is called Diesel Dave, which Sam <laughs> added as a fact because he thinks it's a rad early 2000s. I wrote that's kind not interesting. Name. I just think it's a rad early 2000s kind of name. So is he the Diesel Boy? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Or well, is he now a Diesel Man? Like, at what point do you become, like, transition from Diesel Boy to Diesel Man? Yeah. I guess when you have your, your Diesel bar, bar Mitzvah. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Um, <laughs> so, as noted via our special guest, Anthony, 
Uh, so some of their other songs included hits such as Titty Twister and Stroking My Cat, which is just rank. Yeah. Like, <laughs> fuck right off with that energy. This is... I Because I listened to some of their stuff while, like, you in the shower today. Mm. Excellent. And their stuff, like, is very... It's very decent early 90s punk. Just mm. sort of scrappy, like... It would have definitely fit in with early Green Day and early Blink. Right. Really yeah. would have just fit in with that. Yeah. Yeah. Just... Yeah, they probably toured together at some point, especially if... Well, they were all from California. They probably have, you know... Yeah, possibly. Played, played the same shows together at some point. Mm. Yeah. Do we want to add any more about Diesel Boy or just cut to the chase and talk about their cover? I don't think we have much else to say. No. Except they had a song about pants falling down. It's called <laughs> Titty Twister. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. So what are our thoughts on the cover, Richard? Yeah, I mean, it it is just like scrappy enough to kind of work, but yeah. it's not great. Yeah. Enough. See, I listened to, as I said, I listened to a few of the songs. His vocals are not like that. He's definitely right. trying to channel totally, Vince yeah. Neil and a bit of probably Bon Scott as well. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. He's definitely trying to put in a bit of a hard rock edge to it. Whereas with the songs, like their actual songs, it's not like that. See, I don't know why they picked the song. Yeah. Uh, do they? And that's another point when we get Jim Fearless on. He yeah. can yes. say to <laughs> Which us. Which you will. He, Absolutely. He could, say, he could say to us, we give the band the song. We think the band would do good with this song. Or if the band goes, well, we got the list of these songs. Mm. At some point, someone has to be the last band to pick a song off the list. Yeah, I would, yeah. Well. I am very excited to talk to him because we will to talk to him about just the process of like, do they pick them of their own volition? Do you give them suggestions? Yeah. Like, who ultimately comes up with mm. this? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a fascinating concept all around. Like, it's pretty easy if they, you know, for recent pop albums because it's just like, let's pick a couple of old ones and let's just go with what's been popular mm. in the last year or two. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's really easy for that one. Yeah. But yeah, with that, it's just. It's, it is a really kind of odd one to choose for your heavy metal. Yeah. Um, but, Not even like A-list Motley Crue. Exactly. You know? But then like Tesla was a really weird one for oh, for true. metal. And you know, Gun- what was the Guns N' Roses? Oh, My Michelle was a really weird one for, for that, that as well. That one makes more sense to me because it's like a song that you can put a stamp on. Yeah. And we did sort of establish it did have that more punky kind of yeah, hard rocky them. edge to it than a lot of their other stuff. Which yeah. fits AFL. And that's an iconic album so like oh, yeah. we've sent every track is like yeah. I think yeah bouncing off what you said Richard like to me yeah like I don't really understand why they picked this and then also bouncing off Sam like they I don't understand why they picked it to then just do a very accurate rendition of it. Yeah. Like, they don't put any sort of signature on it. Like, to me, it was just like, oh, okay, so they're just parroting the original. Mm. And if they don't even sound like that as a band, like, what was the whole point of the exercise? I would say their signature is that snare drum. Yeah, which I heard, like, two hits, and I was like, oh, this is one of the worst snare sounds I've ever heard. It is like St. Anger in that... I I got really excited. I was like, it's St. Anger's snares. In that the snare... Is off, so okay. the snare is just going yeah. bong yeah. instead of flack. Right, okay. that's my yeah, scientific like, description. The, so the snare drum is supposed to have like this sort of like harsh sound, yeah. Um, because the snares, the snares are like coils basically that are 
that are put together so when they vibrate they make that sound okay. it has metal under yeah. the drum right. which you tighten with a like a switch or something and then you could yeah. also you could flip it off so the coils would like separate so they weren't touching each other and then it would just make this sort of dung dung which and, is what drums are normally and okay. kind of famously in Saint Metallica Saint Anger <laughs> also Lars Ulrich Lars Ulrich basically turned the snare off and had that sound yeah. going which in my opinion in this Diesel Boy cover it just sounds bad because it's not off for any purpose. Whereas in Saint Anger, to uh, me, it feels kind of like a deliberate. It feels like a deliberate choice, right? Because the snare is kind of ringing out and like punctuating the atmosphere. It's such an oddly, it's such an odd soundscape that it kind of makes sense if you I see. listen to it enough. So your theory is that Diesel Boy just truly didn't know what they were doing. And were like, oh, I have, fuck. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. And if anyone, if if you know anything about Richard, he's a Saint Anger apologist. I'm the Saint Anger apologist. <laughs> yeah, the the Saint Anger apologist. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. To me, this whole thing, like this whole exercise of this one song for Diesel Boy, like why did you do it? Because mm. it eat like, and even just within the greater premise of like punk goes exactly insert genre here, like. You haven't given this a punk flavor at all. You've just yeah done it, yeah. and it's just like okay, like it's great, like you did a good cover, whatever. But like the song is underwhelming. You mm. haven't added a punk sort of stank to it. You haven't added your signature sound to it either. Mm. Like it's just a cover. And as I said, like it's it's like he's trying to do his best hard rock. Voice. Yeah, and that like I to me I feel like. Because I will need to go and listen to Diesel Boy. That'll be my homework from this. But I feel like that will... I'm sure once I've heard that, I'll be kind of disappointed that they didn't just do Diesel Boy does Motley Crue. Looking at um, the track list for Punk Goes Metal. So this was recorded in 2000, right? Yeah. Yes. And um, is this metal or classic rock? Metal. Metal. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's covers of like Judas Priest, Poison, Warrant... Skid Row mixed in with like Slayer, Megadeth, Metallica. Yeah, so interesting to see how metal was like viewed at that time. Because you know these days I can imagine someone listening to like Motley Crue and being like, "Oh, that's hard rock, not metal." Yeah, Back when... and that's because we've had this conversation where I was like, yeah. "To me, that doesn't sound like metal." Yeah, because but... culturally, like the divide has really been like split. Yes, you know, there's yeah. like extreme metal and there's pop metal. Oh, punk and there's extreme something. metal. Yeah. Yeah. And that would be fun. Yeah. Extreme metal goes punk. <laughs> yeah. It would probably Sick. make more sense to me. Yeah. Like Dark Throne doing... It would you know, be a bit more commercially viable, I feel. Uh, well, I mean, Dark Throne did do cross punk, so... Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's... Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're basically, Dark Throne is one of the, the, the most pioneering like Norwegian black metal bands, and then they shifted their sound to be a cross punk. Fantastic sound, yeah. Like, yeah. Fantastic, their their new punk, punk stuff. Although, old star, their I album. Said old star. <laughs> old, yeah. old star. I think it's old star was their album last year. Mm, is a, yeah, is a really good, and it's kind of like almost a throwback to black metal yeah. as well, which is really cool. It, it's yeah. all connected in interesting and unpredictable ways. It's a rich, hopefully, a rich tapestry, as yeah. they say, as I say quite a lot. Yeah. Um. Do we want to talk about other covers? I listened to a bit of the Static X one. I did not like it. I did not listen to it at all. Mm. 
So I was saying to you, Richard, yesterday in like high school band, I believe we used to use this as a warm up song. Not this song, their their big song, "The Only," right? As our warm up song. Um, and I watched the film clip to that, and it is as new metal as you can imagine. They're a little being, bit industrial too, right? A little bit industrial, but like this cover shows none of that. The the guitarist does that. Just all over the place does the the new metal head tilt, right? Like, yeah. Which again, like Mick Thompson from Slipknot used to do. It. Like, just it's to sort of look kind of unhinged, yeah. Oh, and they do like this kind of like head tilt like uh, that. And I'm sure like Cole Chamber probably did it a lot. Yeah, probably. I feel like System of a Down did it a bit. I don't know if they're new metal uh, though. Probably fast. They probably did it faster. Yeah, like, mm. they, they definitely were new metal. Yeah, uh, yeah. to a point. Mudvayne probably did it a lot. Yeah. Bing, bing, bing. Um, we've also noted that a musical outfit known as Pink Cream 69 did a cover. Which nice. We... None of us listened to, so let's just review their name. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Pink Cream. 69. And 69. Nice. 420. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and as I said before, it was also covered by an early version of Slayer, which is weird, but, you know, then again, like... You know, of its time, you know, yeah. they kind of crossover. Like thrash metal wasn't really a thing yet, so yeah, yeah. And so they probably were, you know, as you say, like we're covering bands like this, we're covering bands like Judas Priest. It's that time where if you were a metal fan in nineteen eighty three, like you'd probably listen to all of it. Yeah, like, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Motorhead, Black Sabbath, Iron Maiden, uh, Iron Maiden. Because there wasn't that much, yet. yeah. Like there weren't that many like big iconic bands. We to go back to Motley Crue because uh, you were mentioning that you listened to some of their stuff with their second singer, yeah, John Karabi, yeah, John Karabi, and yeah. you think that that was possibly better. He than... he's objectively a better singer than Vince Neil, yeah, right. He's got a kind of bluesy voice. He's got range. He can kind of he can do the higher stuff as well. Yeah, um, like that album sounds a bit underproduced. So like coming off like four years after Doctor Feelgood, I'm sure like there wasn't that much like anticipation yeah. for it um, and there's like a little bit of alternative on it from what I've heard so mm. I don't know like it's it feels like a different band actually I would say who is the more tragic uh, second sing- or second or singer to come in after the more popular singer him or Blaze Bailey from Iron Maiden <sighs> probably John Karabi like commercially but Blaze yeah. Bailey I don't feel like brought anything to Iron Maiden no. Like, he may have been good in his own right, in his own context, but, yeah, just set down. And also, those albums are bad. Yeah. <laughs> X Factor and whatever the other one's called. I just love in Iron Maiden that they... I can't remember. Was it Adrian Smith who left almost at the same yeah. time as Bruce Dickinson? Yeah. And then they got another... They got they got Bruce Dickinson's guitarist, or, like, he played with Bruce Dickinson Yannick Gears, yeah. into Iron Maiden, and then... Adrian Smith and Bruce Dickinson came back in the late 90s and they are like, well, I guess we've got three guitarists now. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, like, it's kind of cool though. It's like, well, he, we like him. We're not kicking him out. We want you back. Like, f- fuck it. We'll just be a six-man a six yeah. man. We'll be, have three guitarists and it fucking works. Yeah. Shades open, come on in. Like, Iron Maiden with three guitarists is sick. Yeah. I hope we get really, to talk about them. I, I don't think we do. Oh. Unless we start an Iron Maiden podcast. Mm. You should. I wish we were talking about Iron Maiden and not Motley Crue. Yes. Um, not at all funny, probably to anyone except me, but 
Richard made a note the other day on Twitter about Weedus's teenage dirtbag being like a object an objectively bad song. Well, I, I ran a poll saying yes. you know good song, bad song, and it was I voted like, that it is an excellent song. Sure, Thank it's you very like much. I think it was like sixty five to thirty five percent, which was uh, better for me than I expected. Yeah, so. And so then I, using the Punk Ghost Pod account, because fuck it, why not, I proposed that Iron Maiden do a cover of it, and then in the listen to Iron Maiden bit, they just go listen to We Eaters. <laughs> <laughs> so. Alright. Well, is that as good a time as any to give it a hell yeah or a yeah nah? Give it a, 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 a yeah nah or a yeah nah? Yeah, nah. What was what was Anthony's response to to Motley Crue again? Oh well, it was just like ah. Uh. Yeah, ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that like I just have zero enthusiasm for either of these songs. Are you yeah. covering Motley Crue again? I don't believe so. Okay. Yeah. I'll I'll listen to Doctor Feelgood and report back at some point. Please do. <laughs> right. Yeah. You can just do an exclusive episode for us. Just a mini <laughs> a mini sode where you give a book report on. Yeah. You will be back in the next 20 episodes, I think. In, in, I think in so, about yeah. 20 episodes, there's a specific one. Oh, yeah, I know that yeah. one. A very special one, I think. A very yeah. special one, yes. yes. Hmm. It's like episode 45, I think it will be. I feel like we need to change it to like 69 or something oh, like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, oh, fuck. We will not have a 69 420 no, this year. Well, no. We should just... We'll, we'll, if we recorded on the 4th of April... Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's for 2020. I feel like on second thoughts, I'm glad we didn't opt for our wedding to be on the 4th of April 2020. Like, Yeah, that's, that would have been dumb, very funny. That was it a would dumb have been, joke. But like every year, it would just get less funny. And yeah. then we'd just be like, why did we do this? By well, like 20... In, until 2069. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fantastic. This is true. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah. What were you going to say? Before so? we wrap up, I do know we're on a time crunch. We're expecting other people to drop in soon. To watch more wrestling. I will not be participating. Um, first, so, first night of Wrestle Kingdom was good. Second night should be even better. Yes. Yes. Cool. Um, <laughs> so, Sam, you mentioned that you tried to get into Motley Crue and just couldn't. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to do a quick, like, whip around. Like, are there any other bands that any of us tried to get into for whatever reason couldn't? Why did you try to get into them and why could you not get into them? I think for me, the immediate one I can think of is the Ramones because right. it's just the thing to do when you're a teenager. I had a yeah. giant Ramones poster on my wall. They're not even that good. Yeah. Ooh. With them, it's kind of like a generation gap between what punk rock was for yes. them yes. now. So, so I think I'm glad... I can appreciate them. I'm yeah. glad I listened to them in that sense of knowing where the stuff yeah. I listened to came from. Yeah. Sort of like that just paying your dues I suppose and like they're catchy enough but also they're just very filler like Blitzkrieg mm. Bop rules but the rest of it just kind of sounds like derivatives of Blitzkrieg Bop I legitimately I don't like any Slayer after South of Heaven really? I don't like any Slayer <laughs> after South of Heaven wow that's yeah. a hot take yeah no I don't I seriously I think not I... even Seasons? <sighs> that's kind of the same yeah I appreciate I Seasons much. yeah but basically, after South of Heaven, it's 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 no it's 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 Rain in Blood or South of Heaven or Get the Fuck Out. Like, okay, I like um, I like God Hates Us All. Yeah, the Disciples one of the best songs. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I never. I get it. I get it. I ne- and again, it's a hot take. Like yeah. you know. 
Richard, any um, bands or I, musicians you've tried to get into? I feel like the biggest one is always Boards of Canada. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, maybe the time I listened to them, like, when I was around, like, 16, 17, I just wasn't open to that style. Yeah. Because to me it was just, like, nothing happening. Yeah. So I've been meaning to revisit them. Oh, yeah. I don't know. No, good on you for giving them a second go. I feel like the, there's a few others, like... Um, Neutral Milk Hotel, I can respect, but would never be like a favorite band of mine. In an aeroplane no. over the sea is a lovely song, but aside from that, I got nothing. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah, and again, I think that's one of the ones. Had I been more conscious of music that wasn't emo back yeah. in the day, I would have tried my darndest to get into them. Like, yeah. Right. The closest I ever got to like folksy kind of stuff was Bright Eyes, but that's because True. he's fucking emo. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. All very, like, foundational stuff. Absolutely. For a certain time and place, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. But, well. What's our next song? Sam is setting up for his wrestling thing as we speak. So next week we are discussing the excellent song Everlong by the Foo Fighters, as covered by The Colour Morale. What's your, what's your hot take on the Foo's? Okay, I do. I have a two sentence hot take, right? Excellent. So it's very interesting that you look at Coca Bain, like one of the arguably like most specific like pop rock songwriters yeah. of all time. Yep. And you get Dave Grohl, who very talented drummer, talented musician, but I think is one of the vaguest like songwriters, pop songwriters. Because yeah. lyrically, I don't think he has a strong perspective, right? No. Foo Fighters to me were always a little bit like kind of watered down like punk pop power pop yep all that stuff like even Everlong has a bit of like punk rock influence yeah. in the way it's played but he I don't know Dave Grohl reminds me of like Tom Petty or someone he kind of just wants to be like an everyman yes I mean what was his what was his metal band it was like Proto Man or something Probot Probot which I never listened to no neither did I yeah I know that he has it and... yeah you know he does he plays the devil in the Tenacious D yeah <laughs> film but Sick. yeah, again, a band I respect but don't really love. Yeah. Mm. Who Tenacious D or Foo Fighters? Foo Fighters. <laughs> Both. Tenacious obviously. D is a, a whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, as always, Richard, for sacrificing your weekend to come <laughs> and talk me. shit with us on the pod. Uh, if you liked this episode, I'm not even going to tell you to do stuff because either you'll do it or you won't. Um, I just recently learned how to like actually rate podcasts on iOS. Ah, yeah, okay. Because I don't use the podcasts app on it. No, they really lock it away, even though it's important. But yeah, it, yeah. I don't know. We we really need to get on Spotify. That's a job mm. for future me yeah. slash us. Um, yeah. If you want to correct us on anything, tell us we're wrong. Please do, because it means you're listening. Um, everyone who is listening, thank you. We. This honestly has gone beyond what we were expecting, so anything above this is a bonus. Hmm. Um, yeah, we still need to come up with like some z- zippy, like catchy closer thing, but until then... My world's on fire, how about yours? That's the way I like it, and I'll never get bored. 